0: Hello, and thank you for joining us here on The Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime. Really, the best way to describe this person is my everything. It's at Eric DeLala.
1: Phil, it's like music to my ears. I've missed hearing you say those words. The old intro is back, baby. Yeah, take that, <laughs> YouTube commenters.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, Eric... We've said this many times on the show here. This is a show for the people, by the people. You know, We're all about delivering what the people want, and the people have spoken. They want us to stay original, and they say that, hey, if it's 50-50 on whether or not we should keep that intro, that means that 100% of the people know about the intro. That's our special thing, so we're doing it.
1: That's right. And Phil, today, as we post this podcast, is my birthday. That was the best birthday (laughs) present I could ask for.
0: Your birthday boy, huh?
1: (laughs) Exactly. That's why you're going to let me be right about everything today.
0: Ah, yeah, yeah. Gregory Haynes is the one who said, stay original. So appreciate the, the shout out there. Also, Luke Dornish commented and said, great episode. I missed the old intro. I can't be the only one. Then he made an interesting point here, Eric, did, did Luke Dornish. He says, Eric, I sense you're picking on Phil lately because your audience has been picking on you. Oh, my oh, gosh. Have whoa. people been picking on you?
1: That's a classic uh, case of stacking if I'm diagnosing myself, <laughs> you know, which I don't think is fair to you. Um, the Al Davis comment a couple weeks ago was probably out of line. Yes, that was, the
0: prob- that was the most hurtful thing you've ever said to me.
1: It was funny, though, <laughs> I'll say that, but yeah. Yeah. So I'll try to be nicer. I think that uh, Luke Dornish is right. The, the comments, the haters been tough to uh, they're tough to take, but we, we march on anyway.
0: That's true. Uh, Johnny Chasson here says, it seems like these two do not want to be on this show together. There's no positive energy. The conversation does not flow very well. Wow. Um, Yeah. that that is definitely not the case.
1: Well, you know, here's uh, my suggestion. If you look up, you know, normally you smash that subscribe button, which is down. <laughs> yeah. If you look up, there's a search bar. You can look for a ton of other videos on YouTube. You can go watch something else.
0: Oh, you're saying if you don't like it, get out of here.
1: Wow. If you're going to be, That's- you know, we, we take constructive feedback. If you want to say, hey, maybe uh, talk a little bit more about the draft. Our guy Rick Owens, for example, he, he doesn't like the nonsense, but he says he wrote in, I think, last week and said, Great football show, covered a lot of topics. He liked it. We listened to you, Rick. So we like the constructive criticism. But if you're just here to be mean, Phil, take it somewhere else.
0: Eric, I know that for me personally, this is my favorite one hour of the entire week. You know.
1: Segment is- one, and then we go on to segment <laughs> two, and that's where we get into the second hour. I will
0: say one of the beautiful things about watching on YouTube is that you could just skip to the segment that you want to listen to. So if for like, say Rick Owens, if you don't want to listen to the nonsense, which I personally am a big fan of, but if you don't want to listen to it, just skip ahead to the football stuff because there's plenty of that.
1: There is. There's something for everybody here on the neutral zone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one last uh, YouTube comment to get to here is uh, Jinja Ninja. He says, thanks for my shout out, guys. When can we get Steve Atwater to join
1: the pod? Oh, Phil. So- it's interesting. Steve Atwater is a little bit busier now that he's a Hall of Famer. He doesn't uh, return our calls quite as frequently.
0: He yeah, lost my phone number or something. Maybe <laughs> maybe we could track him down for next week, have our people, Ben Swanson, get in touch with his people and David work out. Baker. Some, get, yeah, they could figure out a price because, you know, Steve is.
1: Yeah. 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 So, so Ben Swanson is going to contact David Baker from the Hall of Fame. They're going to work it out. We'll try to get Steve on. Phil, I also uh, one other YouTube comment I'd like to get to. Lisa Lane asked, "Why are we still on a split screen?" She wants us to be together, even if it's just six feet apart. Whatever she wants to see us be happy. Yeah, good friends. Lisa, we'd like to be together too, and yeah. we've actually done the podcast from the office together a couple times, but different rooms. Just so. uh, we're getting closer, I think, to being back in that studio. But I think they changed the locks.
0: Uh yeah, they might have. Uh I do want to get back in the studio. Uh we're heading down that path here. So hopefully maybe sometime soon uh that will happen. So that'd be nice. I know that you you miss uh my coffee breath. <laughs> <laughs> uh Eric, there is one other YouTube comment I want to get oh. to. Uh Hugo Vuado, I believe, says great show, plenty of content. Wish you guys would call Drew and calm some people down. Call him. I don't. I don't, uh, I don't know. That might be. He's a tough person to get right
1: now. You get it real quick. Yeah. yeah. For those of I you know. listening on our original platform, audio. Audio. I'm looking at my phone currently, pretending like I'm gonna text Drew Lock.
0: Well, I heard that Drew locke has been spending a lot of time with Peyton Manning. So. I,
1: I have heard that one or two people uh, mentioned that.
0: Yeah, that's probably a good thing, huh? Yeah, it probably can't hurt. Yeah, that would be a good thing, Eric. Should we also, um, you know, if if you're not watching on YouTube and you're just listening, there are several ways to get involved in the show, Eric. Seven oh seven neutral. You can leave a voicemail. Uh, I do encourage people to call in and leave a voicemail. We we want to do a like a, a really nice draft show. So if you have some thoughts on a draft, please call in and leave uh, leave some thoughts there.
1: But there's another way you could do it, Eric. That's right. Yeah, you could leave an email, Neutral Zone Show at gmail.com send a resume maybe because to do a nice draft show we might need new co-hosts so um, mm. we're, look- we're looking for people uh, podcast supervisor is always we're always looking to upgrade there you know yeah. like Vic Fangio says about the roster every spot is a competition nobody's roster spot is safe it's the same thing here if we find somebody that'll uh, book better guests Ben Swanson will be uh, back on the practice squad yeah.
0: Neutral zone, neutral zone show at gmail.com is a good way to leave an email. We've got a, a couple of here to touch on Ron Arter. Uh, he said that he sent a previous email about Drew Locke, but uh, in short, he believes that the he could take that next step and have a great career. Uh, he said this email is more about the draft, Eric.
1: Okay. Yeah. Let's hear it.
0: Yeah. I think that, uh, what does it say here? He, he doesn't think that any of the quarterbacks necessarily in this year's draft, uh, will be available for the Broncos. He thinks, uh, what is it? Edge rusher. I think, is that what he says he wants? Yeah. Edge
1: rusher. he likes Quiddy pay, mm-hmm. uh, likes Jalen Phillips, Micah Parsons. Uh, he thinks that right tackle is going to be a huge need that Jawan James, uh, has been a bust in his book. And then he also says tight end running back cornerback, um, Let's see. He says, uh, then he says, I listen to you every week without fail. I have a lot of respect for Eric's analysis of the team in the draft and Phil's inquitive inquisitive questions. Uh, then he says, he's definitely not an expert, but he watches the games. Phil, that's, that's all we asked for. We don't, we don't need people to be experts. Uh, that's what you're here for. We just want people to, to chime in, let us know their thoughts. I do think that, uh, you know, Ron's got a point that if if a quarterback might not be available and if you're not sold on him and you think Drew Locke is is pretty close or or Drew Locke is at least um, about the same as what it would – you know, if you decide Drew Locke's a better option than giving up all that draft capital, then then ride with Drew. There are other areas you need help, whether it's corner, uh, running back, linebacker, um, uh, right tackle. I mean, there's all sorts of different spots. So I I agree with Ron that I'm not going to be disappointed – if they don't go quarterback, I know that everyone thinks that, you, you know, that's the hot pick right now, Phil, everyone wants to go quarterback, but we got to trust George Payton. I've been saying it all along. You can't trust one part of his vision and not the rest of it. And if he decides he wants to ride with drew for another year and see what you got, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And we'll, and we'll see what happens.
0: What do you think about this ranking of the quarterbacks here from Ron Arter? Uh, he's a little like Chris Sims. He says that Zach Wilson Wilson should be number one, Eric. Then he says Lawrence, Jones, that's Mac Jones, then uh, Fields, and at five, Trey Lance.
1: Yeah, he, um, it's interesting. I, I think you got to go with Lawrence as number one just because of all he proved in college football. I think there's a little bit of a, people like what's new. And so because Trevor Lawrence has been projected as this top guy for three or four years now, we're, we're tired of it. You want to see him in the NFL, but you're kind of done with the, uh, you know, even when he just played above average last season people were like why is he taking a step back um so i think he's still a number one guy i do believe zach wilson is firmly in that number two spot i actually think i like trey lance third then justin fields and then mac jones fifth um and I, yeah, really close there on fields and lance um but i just as we've talked about before phil some of the things that defenses did to justin fields um in the big 10 championship and the national championship It worries me a bit, but uh, certainly has talent that's interesting, and and we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that we definitely know more about those guys just because they've been on the big stage for a long time. There's no telling what a guy like Wilson would – how he would be able to react or Fields – not Fields, Lance, how they would be able to play in some of those games. We've just seen Fields do it in person. So it could be a positive or a negative. So.
1: Uh, Every, everyone's favorite thing is the next thing. You know, the unknown. Everybody loves the backup quarterback. Everybody wanted Jeff Driscoll to play. Everyone wanted then Brett Ripon to play. Now everybody wants the new quarterback. Uh, I think we'll talk a little, a little bit about some of that stuff, Phil. But one thing I'll point out here is that t- not even two years ago, so not e- the week before the NFL draft in 2019, Drew Locke was projected to go number two overall to the Oakland Raiders at that point. So that shows you that Locke had the same type of talent that we're talking about with a Fields, with a Lance, with a Jones, with with a Wilson, and you just never know. And, and Drew could still be that guy. He might not be that guy, but there's no guarantee that you're going to draft one of these quarterbacks and they're going to be the answer. Eric, just last year we talked to Daniel Jeremiah before the draft, and he said that
0: he had Drew Locke when he was coming out, graded the same as Justin Herbert coming out. So, yeah.
1: Well, uh, wow. so I'm not going to – don't get me riled up about Justin <laughs> Herbert in April. <laughs> Wait till, wait till September or October when we play the Chargers, and then I'll get going on Herbert. Uh, we do have a lot to get to on this episode. A couple more emails to just touch on real quick.
0: Brady Johnson, uh, keeping up with the quarterback talk, he says, love the great work, boys. Keep them coming. Curious to see what your thoughts would be, including the ninth pick as a trade package for Deshaun Watson. Then he sent a follow-up email, and he says, assuming the allegations are proven false.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't want to wade into that too much because I, you know, it's a legal issue. I don't pretend to know what's going on. I will say the allegations are very concerning. There's a lot of them. Um, Until that wraps itself up one way or another, I wouldn't have anything to do with Deshaun Watson. I don't think any trade from any team is on the table. Um, I think the NFL is going to have to consider stepping in. They've already said they're investigating. Phil, so there's a very real chance that if the, if these if these uh, allegations are proven true, Deshaun Watson might not play for any team again, you know. And so forget about a first-round pick. It just, he, he might be done with the league. Um, so Broncos at this point, I'm sure, have moved on to other contingencies, other options in terms of adding competition. You know, there's still some good quarterbacks out there to trade for. Obviously, there's the draft. You can add a veteran after the draft and free agency. So there are still avenues, but – I would be shocked. One, if this thing gets with Deshaun gets wrapped up anytime soon, just because it seems like it's just beginning. Um, and two, I'd be shocked if they were still poking around right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Albert Breer of the MMQB earlier this week reported that the Broncos did make an offer for uh, Matthew Stafford. So I assume that they at least did some homework on Deshaun Watson to see if they wanted to, uh, uh, you know, offer something there with Houston. I would agree with you, Eric. I think those are all but off the table from any team around the league. Uh, and proven true or not, the no, the sheer number of accusations against them is very concerning. So um, I would think that uh, definitely nothing's going to happen before the draft here. So uh, as the emailer points out, including the ninth pick as a package there, I just don't even think that that's even something that's going to be possible. So... Um, Eric, one last, uh, email to get to here. And it's from one of your best friends, John Jornod. He says, uh, since you caved into the haters and abandoned the intro, I have a new one. (laughs) Hey, John, the old intro's back. Haven't you heard? Come on. Uh, but he says, I am Phil the hedgehog who may or may not be right. Well, at least I'm the best hedger. Okay. That's a shot. Then he says, then this is my trusty sidekick, the one who almost always gets it right and corrects my incorrect comments. Wow. Let me introduce drum Brawl in the background by Ben. That's Ben Swanson. He wants a drum roll here. Wow. Then he says, Eric Delala. Okay. Wow. Then he says, then he continues and he says, don't know where these viewers are watching or listening, but Phil is always making mistakes it is so much fun to watch or hear Eric send him straight. Okay. Enjoyed my time here. <laughs> <laughs> do we, need to, take a, do we need to take a break or anything? I mean,
1: that was pretty, uh, that was harsh.
0: I do enjoy the emails where people put a lot of thought into it. So I do appreciate that, John. Thank you. Yeah. That was a creative email. I appreciate that. I'll try to be better for you. That's we- all I'm asking here.
1: We haven't heard from John in a while, so I'm glad he's doing okay. Glad he's writing back in. Um, he's kind of like my hype squad, so I, I do appreciate that. It makes me feel better about myself. So yeah. um, tough, Enough tough hype. look for you, but everybody else, for, for me, it's good.
0: Enough hype here. Let's get into the actual show, Eric. Uh, thank everybody for their comments and uh, their emails. Please keep those coming. Uh, you can also get in touch with us directly via Twitter, at Eric Dalala with an A, at Phil Milani with a P-H non-traditional spellings there. So we do appreciate those comments. Keep them coming. Also uh, keep a voicemail. Keep that that in your mind because you might want to, we might infuriate you so much that you just have to call in.
1: That's true.
0: Just keep, keep that in the back of your mind as you listen here. But we have a, got a great show in store. We're going to talk about the impact of potentially not having an off-season program in person. What would that mean for this Broncos team? Because, Eric, last year there was so much talk about how the offense was affected by not having an off-season program. It was a new offense to learn under Pat Shermer. They didn't have those reps together. If they go ahead and uh, – stay true to their word from the players association that they do not want to show up in person. What kind of effect would that have on the Broncos uh, next season? So we'll get into that. Uh, Speaking of Pat Shermer, he was seen at Justin Fields second pro day this week. Is there something to be read into that? The fact that the Broncos were uh, just one of really like a handful of teams that were on hand there uh, on Wednesday this week. What does that mean? why are the Broncos continuing to do their homework? Have they not seen enough yet? Well, we'll get into that. And then, Eric, uh, the main segment for this show, we're going to be doing a pool. You'll pick three guys. I'll pick three guys uh, who are options for the Broncos and see who wins. So, kind of, you know, some pe- a lot of people do like to do that for golf. Last weekend for the Masters, pools, you know, people pick the golfer they think is going to win. Same idea, he- idea here, but for the Broncos as the number nine pick.
1: Yeah. And you had Hideki Matsuyama.
0: Of course, I did. Yeah. yeah. I saw that coming. Yeah. Mile away. How awesome is that, though? The first person uh, born in Japan to win the Masters. That was a pretty cool, pretty cool scene there at Butler Cabin.
1: Yeah. I think the first person born in Japan to win a major.
0: Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So major. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And yeah. first uh, first player of Asian descent to win the Masters, I think is the, the step. But yeah, very impressive. Kept his cool all weekend. Kind of like you out there on the punting in greenfield you don't you don't sweat
0: yeah i put for dough eric exactly for dough. yeah yeah the on sunday it was really uh not not uh, too much drama he just kind of held his school there so definitely impressive to see that so eric with that let's jump into our first topic and talk about no off season program in person uh still planning to meet virtually and do meetings that way but no in person Offseason season program, at least that's a, according to a release put out by the NFL Players Association. I uh, heard some players uh, react on social media as well. Eric, what kind of impact do you think that will make on this Broncos team heading into 2021?
1: Yeah, well, well, first let's say that Brandon McManus, who's the NFLPA player rep, he went on the radio on Wednesday and said that if there were certain protocols in place, this might not last the whole off There might be certain players that come in um, it's important to note that this is all voluntary. So players, regardless of COVID or not, do not have to be there. We know there are certain veterans across the league every year that do not report. It can't be fined for that. It's, it's strictly voluntary. So uh, that's important to note. And then the other thing, Phil, is that there's a mandatory mini camp traditionally for teams toward the end of the offseason program. And the NFL did announce Wednesday that all on-field work would start about May 17th, I think, somewhere in that area. So We still have about a month before we would would even get to that point where the Broncos would be missing out on practice time. But all that said, Phil, I think this hurts two people or one person in a group, I guess, the most. The first is it hurts Drew Locke. You know, he's going into a critical season. If he's the starter, if he's competing to be the starter with somebody, if he's trying to hold off a rookie, Um, in any event, Drew Locke needs to have a really good season not just for his future in Denver, but probably for his future as a starter in the league. And so every rep that he misses, voluntary or not, I I think is just really tough. Um, He's not going to be able to build that chemistry with his receivers that he needs. Obviously, we saw last year with Jerry Judy, he needed to work on that. Um, And they could still get together and do these private throwing sessions that we saw them do a year ago when they couldn't be in the facility. But We'll just have to see. So I, I do wonder what it does to, to Drew Locke and any rookie or veteran quarterback that you had. Second group, Phil, is these these guys battling for roster spots, whether that's going to be an undrafted free agent, whether it's a guy battling for a role near the back of the roster. I mean, you need every rep you can get. And OTAs, Phil, is really where those young players start to get those chances. You know, if you're a, a Phillip Lindsay, you start to show what you have in those off-season uh, workouts, in those OTAs, in that mini camp, and then when you get to training camp, you hit the ground running. But I think it's really difficult if you get here in training camp and that's your first opportunity. You've got to give a lot of reps to the first team. Um, I feel for those guys who might not have the same chance necessarily to show that they belong in a league.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a. Um, a a situation where I can kind of see everybody's perspective in this and it makes sense. You know, uh, one thing that we saw uh, this week was that uh, the Seahawks and the Buccaneers were two teams that uh, came out and also released a similar statement. The thing about those two teams is they have veteran quarterbacks. And so last season, not having an off season program didn't really affect them too much. I mean, we still saw high quality football being played last season by a lot of teams around the league. Uh, but for the Broncos in particular, it, it did seem like it hurt that offense just because they didn't have the time together on the field together with Pat Shermer. You know, like you said, uh, they could go like the Peyton Manning route where they get together on their own, but the, not having the coaching staff there is the biggest thing to me is that uh, you know, they're not able to just like mesh together and get that feel and that chemistry going. So Hopefully, the fact that Pat Shermer is going to be the one calling plays again for the second season in a row here for the Broncos, that'll help that situation. But if the Broncos end up like drafting a quarterback, for example, then not having an offseason program, that would be huge. I mean, that's a, that's a, a big deal. So, Uh, um, you understand why the team wants to have the players around on the, on the opposite end of the spectrum though, for like a player, like say, for example, Melvin Gordon or Von Miller veterans in this league, they want to enjoy their off season. Uh, You know, maybe they want to live in like Miami. Maybe they want to train in Los Angeles. This is their time to really be able to do those types of things. And as long as they show up for training camp in shape, then you're like, okay, well, where's the real harm there? Um, So you kind of see both sides of it, especially with the um, 17th game being added this year. You know, you can kind of see the perspective from some of these veteran players who are saying, hey, if I got to play a 17th game, you got to give me some more freedom during the offseason. You can sort of see some of that perspective. And I know that in their statement, they specifically cited uh, COVID concerns, and I do think that the league is still trying to work out some of those things, get, get a firm plan ironed out here. So as they do that, we'll see if uh, maybe these sides change. Maybe they'll try to come to some sort of an agreement. You know, One thing I could see happening, Eric, is that maybe it's not a full off-season program where they're here in person, but at least maybe like a week or two here where they're all together out on the field and they get some opportunity to, to be together.
1: Right. And in the NFL's announcement Wednesday, you know, you talk about all this voluntary work, that mini camp, the last week of OTAs, that's not voluntary. That's, that's mandatory. mandatory. So, you know, you would expect that at that point, you could, you by then, um, which I, a lot of teams hold at the last week, which would put it in June, you would think teams could make vaccinations available, could test. Um, we know the protocols work well that they've had in place. Um, though I also understand that unneeded risk is not necessarily what, what players are looking for. But, yeah, I, I would think at the very least a mandatory mini camp is likely to happen just because, um, you know, I, I can't foresee the whole team not showing up and kind of risking either getting fined or or setting that precedent. And certainly coming in for three days seems like a, a reasonable expectation, but we'll just have to see. I mean, after last year, Phil, maybe it's not not right to say this is likely to happen because we've seen that. Everything is subject to change. The Broncos can be set to fly to New England one day and then decide they're going there the next day and not get a bye week. I mean, just everything um, is up to to change.
0: And the other thing to pay attention to is that like a player like Von Miller has a workout bonus. And uh, so it'll be interesting to, to see how those things get monitored here. But uh, I do think in addition to uh, the mandatory week, maybe they'll they'll be able to figure out some sort of a compromise here where they do some on-field work, at, but maybe it's not as intense as, as a normal off-season here. So we'll have to see. Uh, hopefully there's still an opportunity for the offensive players at a, at a minimum to just get together and, and get some chemistry, get some work together. We know that, you know, like say a player like Jerry Judy and Drew Locke they never quite seemed to be totally in sync last year, you know, maybe uh, having some more reps together in the off season, maybe some bonding time, that kind of thing could help at the very minimum. So definitely uh, something to pay attention to there. uh, As we find out uh, that the Broncos uh, at least right now, don't plan on having uh, any voluntary workouts in person at the facility here. So. Eric, the other uh, bit of news to talk about this week is that Pat Schirmer was seen uh, among a Broncos, Broncos contingent at Ohio State's Pro Day. Uh, for Well, it was Justin Fields' second Pro Day, not Ohio State's uh, Pro Day. Sorry. So many Pro Days, Eric. It's hard to keep track of this stuff. But uh, what, do you think, what do you think this means that the Broncos, continuing to do their homework, want additional people seeing Justin Fields in person?
1: Yeah, I think it's just part of the process. I mean, there's reports that they're going to do the same for Trey Lance when he holds his second throwing session. Uh, Mac Jones has already held his second throwing session. I think the Broncos had representatives at both of those. So it's not unusual. It's not unique to Justin Fields, but it does continue to show that when George Payton said uh, almost a month ago now, Phil, that the Broncos were going to do their due diligence on quarterbacks, he wasn't just – it wasn't lip service. You know, they've certainly spent the time they've – Uh, they've traveled the country and gone back and forth to a bunch of different pro days. It makes you think that quarterback is, is firmly in the equation there either with the ninth pick, or if they choose to trade up, whether that's to the fourth pick or the sixth pick or seven or eight, you know, whatever it might be Um, certainly seems like that's a very realistic option. And I know people fall on different ends of the spectrum there in terms of, you know, do you go up and get a guy no matter what do you ride with drew lock another year Um, Do you take a quarterback if he falls to nine? Um, Do you do it if it's fields and not if it's Lance? Do you do it if it's Lance and not if it's fields? Do you like Mac Jones? I mean, there's so much that goes into this. And right now it's all speculation because we really don't know what's a smokescreen. We don't know what's not. Um, It's not going to end over the next two weeks. It's just going to continue to build, but makes things exciting. And I think that the main thing for me is we're not going to know what's the right answer on draft day. Phil. you know, it's going to take a year, it's going to take a couple of years to find out, you know, did the Broncos make the right choice here? Um, but you certainly want all the information you can possibly have to make an informed decision.
0: Yeah. And I think that's just a smart thing to do, because what if one of these guys turns out to be a huge star, yeah. you got to do your homework on, on them. The one thing it does show to me is that this does firmly, uh, there's, there's definitely not the situation where it was last year where they were like quarterback is not on the table. You know, that was the thought last year, this year, it's definitely on the table. Otherwise they wouldn't be doing their homework like this. So that's the one thing that we know for sure is that they're not hundred percent satisfied with what they saw from Drew Locke. So they're doing their homework on this. Uh, the, the interesting thing to me, Eric is, how do you read into this? Do you say, Hey, when George Payton, or, you know, when they went to Ohio state, George Payton did to look at his first pro day, did he not see enough so that he was like, I'm still not sure. Let's send Pat out there and and have another look. Or did it mean, Hey, I was intrigued by this guy, Pat, why don't you go take a look and, uh, and see for yourself too. And let me know what you think. I mean, uh, I don't even know how much you really even can tell from a, a pro day versus the tape. I mean, I would say that the tape is primarily what you're judging, but just to see a guy in person and see what he's able to do up close and personal, there's something valuable there. And to have Pat go do that again, what side do you think you, you fall on here?
1: Yeah. I don't know if I, if I think it's either of those, you know, I don't think that it's them saying we need more information um, or we really like him. and We want Pat to see him. I, I think it's simply, the pro day is happening again. He's throwing again. Might as well send somebody. You might as well send somebody who hasn't seen him. And so since Pat Shermer hasn't been there and would be working with him quite a bit, obviously installing the offense, if the Broncos do indeed, do indeed choose fields, I think you just want him to have a firsthand look, get another opinion on the guy. That can only help. I, I wouldn't read into it one way or another of, um, you know, they like him, they don't like him because, Last week, or when Alabama had their last pro day, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were in uh, Tuscaloosa to watch Mac Jones throw and skip Justin Fields' pro day, and a lot of people made something of that. They're at Justin Fields' pro day there with uh, Pat Shermer, and you know I wouldn't read into that as saying, wow, maybe they're considering Justin Fields now, and he's overtaken Mac Jones, and I also wouldn't read that to say, you know, um, that they are, are down on Mac or are, are high on Mac and they're doing it just for show. I mean, I just don't know if you can read in into any of that. I know it's fun to do. And I know that that's all we've got at this point, but I don't know that I can draw that conclusion. I, I will say the one thing Phil that makes me think they are really strongly considering a quarterback is that there's not a lot of value in a smoke screen for the Broncos suggesting they're going to take a quarterback because there are a lot of teams that are already going to take quarterbacks ahead of them, at least three, probably four, and then you've got teams in the Bengals, in the Dolphins, in the Panthers who probably are all going to go offense. You know, the 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 Bengals are either going to take a tackle or a wide receiver by all accounts. The Panthers, a lot of people have a tackle going to them, and so the Broncos at nine are probably going to have the best defensive player available to them regardless. And certainly the guys that have been mocked to them the most feel like a Patrick Sertan, a, a Micah Parsons. Those guys have been available in every single mock to Denver. And so if you're really interested in those guys, there's no real reason to to spend all this time flying around, pretending like you're interested in Zach Wilson and Mac Jones and, and Justin Fields and Trey Lance. If you're not the, the only reason that you maybe do that and maybe it's helpful is if a team like new England thinks, you want that you know you want to take a guy there and you you talk him into trading up with you but even then i mean it almost makes more sense to have them think you're not interested because then they would call you as a trade partner whereas if they think you're interested they're going to try to jump you and so to me the fact that they're doing all this research to, despite the fact that a really good defensive player is going to be there at nine makes me think they're fully considering a quarterback as an option and that it's not a smokescreen
0: yeah, like there's no reason for Peyton to go to BYU to check out Zach Wilson unless it's to just legitimately check out Zach Wilson.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: like he's not going to be around at nine. So, like, you're just there to check him out. So, um, it is an interesting time of year. You don't really know what to read into, what not to read into. But the fact that the Broncos have really dedicated a, a lot of time into seeing these pro days in person by some of the top decision makers here then I, I do think that there is something to be said that they're legitimately doing their homework. They're pro- possibly considering trading up, you know, to get some of these guys, if they're really interested, maybe not Dep- it's going to depend on how things go and they just want to be ready and have an informed decision. So uh, it is interesting though, checking out a person for the second time, and getting a second set of eyes on that person in person. It, it, it is interesting to me that the Broncos were there to see fields. So um, but it is an interesting time. So
1: interesting. But, is is that what you're saying? It's I think interesting. it's interesting. I think it's it. interesting. Okay. Yeah. I was just checking.
0: Now to the main segment for this episode, Eric, and that is our our pool contest. We're each going to pick three guys that we think the Broncos could take in the first round. We'll end up uh, seeing who is right. Maybe probably I would say like 75% chance that I'll be right. Probably 25% chance that Eric is right. Well, 20%, maybe 5% chance that none of us are right.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. None, none is normally like three or more, but neither could be nice there. Excuse me. That's the YouTube commenters. aren't going to like that. I take it back. (laughs) <laughs> um Phil, can I can I ask a, a clarifying question? Yes. If you, if you have a moment. yes. Yeah. Is this who I think the Broncos should take or who no, I think no, no. They will take? Will take. Oh okay. we'll so that's that's this not necessarily the same that's not necessarily the same list. I know that, Eric. Well I I just, that's, that's why I was clarifying yeah. I wanna, well, I, because I didn't want to you well know, I didn't want to go in being like the Broncos <laughs> should take Greg Newsom with the ninth pick no. and then
0: Eric, we want to see who wins this contest. Oh, okay. Because then, if they pick some guy who you didn't have, then you could just easily be like, "Well, that's not who they should have taken." Right. <laughs> I, I want to. I want this is to predict.
1: Okay. Who gets so to go first? I'll yeah, let I.
0: you go first, Eric. Normally, we'd flip a coin or something like that, but I'm feeling like I'm in a in a good mood today. You go ahead and get the first pick, Eric. Oh,
1: okay. okay. Yeah. Who do you like? Um. I like, uh, Trey Lance. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think, a, I think a, a quarterback makes a lot of sense there. I think that Trey Lance is more likely to fall to nine. So I don't, I don't think he, I suspect the Broncos might like Justin Fields more, but I, um, I don't really have anything to base that off. It's just kind of my suspicion, but, um, probably because Pat Shermer is at this pro day and it just really, it's interesting, um, but yeah, I think Trey Lance is more likely to be there at nine. Um, I don't think they'll trade up, but I do think that uh, I'll take Trey with my first pick there.
0: Eric, didn't you say there's reports that the Broncos are supposed to be heading to Trey Lance's pro day?
1: I did, but it hasn't happened yet, so until that happens.
0: Okay. <laughs> that John Jornad, that's me correcting Eric. Okay? I got I got you caught up in your own web of lies. <laughs> yeah. Um Eric I'll take Micah Parsons with my first pick here. Oh, I think wow. that I think that uh if the Broncos stay at 9, I could see Parsons being the first defender maybe taken off the board, the Broncos will have their choice and somebody who could that could come in and make an immediate impact, you insert him right into the starting lineup and all of a sudden now you have a defense that could be top 3 in the NFL. Maybe could be on paper the top defense in the NFL if everybody stays healthy. I think that it makes it sometimes some of these picks just makes too much sense, and then you're saying, okay, no, you know, there's got to be something else here. I'm going to play it simple. I'm going to say Micah Parsons, the pick there at number
1: nine for the Broncos. Mm, I think maybe sometimes in your head things seem like they make too much sense, but in, in reality, they don't, because I don't think Micah's even, he wouldn't have uh, been a top three pick for me there really um, for the Broncos. Yeah. I, I mean, it's possible that it happens. I just don't think it's the, one of the top three likeliest scenarios. Um, I think we've seen what Vic can do with less than stellar linebackers. And I think sometimes there's that inclination to, you know, see what he can do. It, he can make more of less. And so maybe you don't need to spend the ninth pick on a guy like Micah. Um, well, hold on a
0: second. We've seen what he does with Ray Lewis and Patrick and and the top talent, Roquan Smith. Oh, Eric, you forgot to pay your electricity
1: bill. It's, uh, it's that time of the podcast. I was wondering when it was going to happen. Phil, Eric. keep the audience entertained.
0: <laughs> I will. I will. I was going to say here, uh, if you are just listening, Eric's of uh, the lights went off because they're on a timer there. you know, He's trying to be environmentally mm-hmm. conscious. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, well, I was going to say, uh, Fangio is able to get a lot out of uh, middle linebackers but he's even able to take some of those guys to new heights when you have him, when he's able to coach a, a guy with supreme talent. So that's why I think Parsons could make a lot of sense where you're talking about a, a guy who's got supreme talent and then Fangio is able to take him even to another level.
1: So your take there is that Fangio can make good players better than he can really, make bad really players. Good. And he can make no. them better than he can make bad players. Got it. Okay. I'm not going to argue with you there. You're correct. The one thing I worry about Parsons. Um,
0: Some character, character issues. Character
1: yep. issues. Opted out so you have one less season of tape to look at. Um, Trey I just,
0: Lance only played one
1: game last year. so It wasn't his fault, though. And he, he yeah. did play a game. You know a quarterback is different than a linebacker. right? <laughs> okay. Quarterback. A quarter, Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky played like three snaps at Carolina and he went number two. Sorry to Ben Swanson.
0: Yeah. All right. Be Ben Swanson.
1: Okay. Um, my second pick. I, I really struggled to pick Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Cause I thought you would use your brain here, but Justin Fields is obviously going to be my next oh. guy.
0: Okay. So you're all in on, you think they're going to take a quarterback.
1: I think a quarterback uh, makes a lot of sense, especially if either of them falls to nine, I think it's just too much potential to pass up on. Hmm. Um, I think they'll consider trading up. But uh, yeah, if either of those guys is there, I can't see them passing on one of those guys for uh, for anybody, really, just because you can find another cornerback, you can find another linebacker, you can find a, an outside linebacker, you know, whatever. But to get a quarterback that you think is, is truly franchise changing, you can't pass up on that opportunity. So yeah, Justin Fields, uh, number two pick there.
0: Uh, I agree with you that it's hard to pass up on those guys. I just don't think they're going to be available. Uh, I think that you're going to have to trade up to take uh, uh, those guys. And I'm not sure if the Broncos are interested in making that move. So maybe they are, maybe they are, but uh, I'm just trying to pick the most likely.
1: Um, mm. That's why I probably would have gone with the quarterbacks if I were you.
0: <laughs> I'm going to stake uh Panay Sewell here with my second option. You are not good at this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm going to take. I think that there's going to be a run on quarterbacks. So there's going to be a, a lot of talent left over here for the Broncos to pick. I think that guys like Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Kyle Pitts, those guys are going to go after the quarterbacks. And the Broncos don't need they don't need somebody like Pitts or they don't need one of those wide receivers. So I think like an all world talent like Sewell. It's possible that he falls down to nine. And if somebody who should have been a top three pick in a normal draft is available at nine, I think the Broncos will end up taking somebody like that and and they'll figure out a way to get him on the field. I I don't know what that means for Juwan James, but I I do think that if an if a guy like Sewell, who's got the potential to be an all-pro type of player, um could be just like you got two solid bookends if you get somebody like that with Bowles and Sewell. Uh, I think that the Broncos are going to take the best player available, and Sewell makes a lot of sense.
1: I think that's a uh, a good
0: pick, actually. I like that. Um, that's the reasoning. That's my reasoning. I'll just say that.
1: Yeah. I do think, though, that um, – and the reason I'm going to go with this next guy is that I- –
0: Mac Jones? Okay.
1: <laughs> No, <laughs> uh, Trevor Lawrence, actually. Oh, okay, yeah. I wouldn't rule that out. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I just think with Sewell, um, you're negating wh- who someone who could be still a solid player. I mean, we don't know what you're going to get from Juwan James, but he's under contract for, I think, three more years. And, you know, he's really, because of his cap hit, he's got to be with the team for at least one more or else you're wasting a lot of dead cap space, or you got to find somebody to trade him to, and you're probably not going to be able to get much in return. So I, I feel like you're very likely to at least see what Jawan James can do this season. And everything we've heard from George Payton and Vic Fangio suggests that the, that's the case, that they count on him being part of this team. Um, so I, you know, Sewell would be a great pick for down the road, but, um, and you're going to kind of say that I'm a little bit crazy here, but. Uh, Patrick Sertan would be my third option. No, I
0: don't think that's crazy.
1: Just because, you know, he might not be a starter either in year one, but Kyle Fuller and Bryce Callahan are playing on one-year deals, and so he's more likely to step into that starting role sooner rather than later. Um, And again, kind of like you mentioned, Phil, if the quarterbacks are gone and you've got your choice of a top-end defensive talent, uh, I just think because it's a passing league, that's where I would take a guy like Patrick Sertan over – a Micah Parsons, um, you know, largely considered the, the best cornerback in this class. He's played at the top level at Alabama. Um, he's played against some of the best receivers. So, you know, he can handle that level of competition. I think if you give a player like him to Vic, he's going to do great things with him, too. And so uh, I really like kind of everyone kind of moved away from it, Phil, after free agency, the, the cornerback position. And for good reason, because I don't think it's a huge need anymore. But I do think if you get to that spot and, you know, you're thinking, well, we've got a plan for the future in Sertan's, you know, we're not going to get a top corner moving forward based on where we hope to be picking in the draft, then Sertan can make a lot of sense.
0: I was going to pick Sertan. I mean, I I do think that that makes a lot of sense, especially a lot of people think he might be the top defensive player in this draft. So uh, I do think that picking somebody like that makes a lot of sense, considering you know that you're probably going to have depth issues there at some point. And then all these guys on one-year deals down the road, it makes a lot of sense. That's why I was going to go with a player like J.C. Horn. I'll I'll go ahead and take Horn there uh, as my final pick. Uh, We know that George Payton went to South Carolina's Pro Day. Uh, J.C. Horn there, obviously. And uh, uh, for the reasons that we just mentioned, cornerback makes a lot of sense here. Um, And I, I got the sense that, Unless they take a quarterback, I think that they want to still address some issues on on defense uh, at some point pretty high in this draft. so a uh, horn horn could be that guy there even a horn could depending on how things fall, he, there might be a good trade back situation, and he might be there in the middle teens, so I don't know maybe maybe he's one of those guys who's really risen here uh, the last couple of weeks so
1: so so yeah Phil, you kind of mentioned it there. Uh, well, first I'll say, I think Horn only is your pick at nine if Sertan is somehow already off the board and you decide you really need a corner. Um, but yeah, who's maybe uh, because we we pick guys there that are going to be at nine or, nine or for me trade yeah. ups. If they trade back to the mid teens, who's hmm. who's one guy that you think could make sense? You know, mid teens, late teens. Who who do you think that the pick is there? I'll let you go first since I got to go first for the other ones.
0: Oh, thanks. Thank you very yeah. much. Do you want to include this in our official pool here, or do you want to – is yeah, this just a side
1: comment? No, I think if there's a trade back, this should okay. be – so we'll,
0: so we'll we'll just re- we'll re- recap real quickly here. You have Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Patrick Sertan. That's for at nine. Okay.
1: At and nine, th- or or if they trade up to get one of those quarterbacks, that counts too. It still
0: counts. Oh, okay, okay, or trade up.
1: Just okay. like if they trade back and get J.C. Horn, that counts for you okay. too. Okay. Oh, okay. Perfect. So then,
0: uh, and I got Micah Parsons, Penesal and JC Horn. Those are my three yeah. guys. Okay. So we'll find out who, who wins there, but we'll have one trade back option. Okay. Let's see. I'll, uh, this is interesting because when you move back, it's a little bit harder to tell like who might be available and also where there's really good value, uh, for a pick, um, you want to think about the depth in the draft. Like for example, unless you get like a guy like Sewell, I don't think it makes a ton of sense to draft an offense alignment so high uh, because there's a lot of depth there. Like that's an example of uh maybe I'll go, maybe I'll go Quitty pay.
1: Mm, okay.
0: An edge rusher here. I'll go, uh, I'll go Quitty pay. We know that uh, Jeremiah Tachu has moved on. So now you're, you still you need somebody to fill that fourth edge rusher role that could be a uh, uh, tusca but uh, maybe they want a, a, a guy who has maybe a little bit of a higher ceiling go with Quitty pay out of michigan
1: okay um phyllis is tough for me because i think if you were in the mid-20s maybe you start talking about like a Najee harris um and i i really like jameen davis the linebacker from kentucky but i think that do I want to go with you mean, Davis? I think he's the type of player that you could add that would be really strong. I don't – Jeremiah Owosu-Cormo, I know a lot of people like him. He's kind of admitted that his tackling is not so good, which to me maybe suggests Vic Fangio's not going to be in on him. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go with Jalen Phillips, the uh, outside line – or edge rusher from uh, Miami. He uh, has had some concussion issues, so you've got to be okay with his medicals. But he, you know, had a really good breakout year. And here's the connection I like, Philip Originally started his career at UCLA. George Payton has his connection to UCLA. So I, I think maybe there's a nice little uh, – it could be a tie-in. And I think if you drop back to the late teens, I think Jalen Phillips could be a guy that you uh, target to try to add some depth there to the edge-rushing position.
0: So he left UCLA. He did. So I don't think that uh... – George uh, Payton's gonna like that.
1: Yeah, I think I'm gonna. Re- I think it's gonna. I'm gonna regret this. It's gonna be Jameen Davis, but that's okay. I'm okay with that. Oh,
0: okay. Well, or I'm okay. sticking
1: with uh, with Jalen Phillips. He's got the. Okay. Every, you know, Daniel Jeremiah said he might be the most talented guy. Just uh, some injury concerns. So if you can clear yeah. that, and you're willing to take a risk, it could be worth it. And you know, okay. one other thing there, Phil. Minnesota has taken some some risks, you know, with their first round picks, a guy like Dalvin cook, a couple other examples, but yeah, they, they taken some risks there. So maybe Peyton's willing to do the the same thing.
0: Do you think that's a, a, like, that's always interesting to me to like take a look at what Minnesota has done and you're, and you're like, okay, well, maybe that's like the school that George Peyton is from. So he's going to likely take a lot of those things. You think that's a good way to approach that? Or do you think that, Hey, now maybe this is George Payton's time to like do his own thing.
1: I think we just have no idea. I mean, I wish there was a way to say, you know, if you look at free agency, I think you say, Hey, there's some things here that George Payton, you know, did that he said he was going to do where he was measured in free agency. didn't make a huge splash, didn't sign the number one guy anywhere. Um, But then clearly there were players they prioritized that the Broncos have liked like Shelby Harris and Justin Simmons um, and took care of some of their own guys. So it looked, it was kind of like a meld there, but, you know, with the draft, I mean, if you look at Minnesota, they didn't trade up with their first pick. They would trade back into the first round sometimes. They traded back a lot. Um, they acquired draft picks. We've, we've heard George talk about that, but so we could get to the draft and George could make a move and go to four. I mean, we just don't know if that's Rick Spielman, if that's him, if that's some of the situation. Um, we'll say the first three drafts that they were in Minnesota, they did move a lot. So I think maybe you can take a little bit from that, but I don't know. I I was just thinking about that the other day of how do you kind of piece together what you think George Payton's draft strategy is? And I have no idea if it's, you know, do you look at what the Broncos scouting department has done because they're still doing a lot of the legwork? Do you look at um, what Vic Fangio likes because they're trying to fit his scheme? Do you look at what George Payton's done there? I mean, I just don't have a good answer for you. And I know that that's not supremely helpful, but I, I truly just if anyone says they know, I think they're making it up.
0: And we saw the Broncos tweeted out that John Elway was in those draft meetings the other day. So, you know, it's possible they just continue what the Broncos have done uh, the last 10 years under John Elway. So uh, it, it really is interesting because I think Peyton has really stayed true to his word. You know, like a lot of the things that he said before free agency or even during free agency, he said it and then he stayed true to it. And, you know, we're assuming that Peyton is going to meet the media here sometime before the draft, uh, which is uh, customary for general managers to do that. So maybe he'll uh, give some little hints about what where his mindset is. One thing he has said is that he wants to bring in competition at the quarterback position, and he has not done that yet. So,
1: well, he's also said he's not going to force it. And, I you know, he hasn't forced it yet. So he's been telling the truth there. He said Justin Simmons was the number one priority Got that done. He said bringing Shelby and Vaughn back were priorities. He didn't say necessarily the same thing about like a Phillip Lindsay. He said, we'll see, you know, it's got to work out. And it didn't. So, you know, he hasn't. And then during his, well, I'm just saying he hasn't like, a lot of general managers kind of throw these smoke screens up. You can trace almost everything he's done back to a comment. And so when he says a quarterback is firmly at play in play at number nine, but we're not going to force it, you know, maybe you take that to me and he's not going to trade up. But if Justin Fields or Trey Lance is there at nine, he's going to take him. And so I don't think – I would be really surprised if on draft night something doesn't happen where you're like, wow, George, George alluded to that a few weeks ago just mm. because he um, he's made his intentions clear. It doesn't mean he's told us who the pick's going to be by any means or is giving anything away to other teams, but he does he, – he seems like a shoot a straight shooter.
0: Eric, in your situations where they go after Lance or Fields, does that mean that they're trading away Drew Locke in in your mind?
1: (sighs) That's tough because you don't want, we've talked about this on on previous episodes, but it's not a Ryan Fitzpatrick situation. It's not an Alex Smith situation where it's an established veteran. It's not even a Joe Flacco situation where, you know, one guy's going to be a starter. I, I think it, if you draft one of those guys, you have to get the locker room to unite behind them. And you can't say, you know, Drew Locke is going to be our backup or is going to compete for this job because you're going to put guys like Cortland Sutton in a tough position. You know, do they say, Oh, Drew's my guy. I think Justin Fields needs some time. I think Trey Lance needs some work. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you might have, you might reevaluate your whole quarterback room in that situation. Maybe say you take Trey Lance who, by all counts, needs a little bit more time than the rest of these guys. Um, you might need to draft Trey Lance, then trade Drew Locke, then sign a backup like Alex Smith to start the season. I mean, the quarterback room might look entirely different. If it's Justin Fields, I think you could probably, he might be closer to ready to start day one. But, yeah, if you take Trey Lance, it's possible that, like, Drew Locke, Brett Ripon, and Jeff Driscoll are no longer here, and you've got Justin Fields a veteran like Alex Smith, or maybe you send a late round pick for a Gardner Minshew or somebody. And, you know, uh, those are all options, but yeah, I think it would be hard for Drew to coexist with a guy that, you know, is replacing you as you're still trying to prove yourself. And I feel Drew's not going to want that either. You know, he's going to want to start somewhere. And so if it becomes clear that, you know, say, say you take, um, Davis mills in the third round, or you take a, a Kyle Trask later, or, Um, I'm blanking on the kid from Texas A&M's name, Um, Mond. Mond. yeah, Kellen Mond, you know, if, if you take one of those guys, maybe Drew says, Hey, I'm going to beat out a third or a fourth round pick. I'm not, I'm not done here. This is my job. If you take a first round pick, the writing is kind of on the wall.
0: Yeah. I think that if you take a later round pick, then this guy's just coming in to be the backup and it's a good situation still. Um, I can't see a situation where a guy like Justin Fields and Drew Locke is in the same quarterback room. I just can't imagine that. And the interesting thing is uh, Sam Darnold moves on and he's getting this new opportunity here. Uh, but if you look at their numbers, Drew Locke has better numbers than Sam Darnold. So there's, there could be some reason to just say, Hey, uh, let's give Drew another year. I guess that's what I've indicated here with my, with my picks in this pool. So uh, I I'm I sort of leaning that way right now, but you never, you never know.
1: Um I think it's really easy to say, and you know again, I'm not going to be surprised if they if they stay with Drew because all along George Payton has said, we like Drew. We like the trajectory that Drew's on. He said, I think his first press conference, he said, I see all the traits of a good quarterback in Drew Locke. you know he's got to fix the turnover issue, but he sees all the good traits, so I'm not going to be surprised, but I just think if you're on the clock at nine and Trey Lance or Justin Fields is there, and you really like one of those guys, it's going to be tough to turn that card in with somebody else's name on it.
0: I agree. I mean, if you really like one of those guys, yeah, what are you supposed to do there? You know, one thing to think about is George Payton has, like, built built up all this goodwill with a great free agency class, and it seems like people are really behind him, and they're like, he's got got the right vision here. If he drafts one of these quarterbacks in the first round, none of that other stuff is going to matter. It's all about this guy. So that, that, that new quarterback will have defined the off season.
1: Right. And well, and the hope is that you've put some other pieces in place around him that he's able to, to get done what you need to get done. And especially if you stay at nine and you don't have to trade the 40th overall pick and you can get a corner or a linebacker there, you know, and still add to this football team that maybe a rookie can go out and have success. I mean, Justin Herbert, had the Chargers not collapsed like really, really badly in a lot of those games, Chargers probably are pushing for a playoff spot. I I mean, it's not certainly not out of the realm of possibility we've seen. um, I mean, I think it was 2012 when Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin and Russell Wilson all led their teams to the playoffs as rookies, obviously, with the seventh uh, playoff, the additional playoff spot for the second year. The Broncos have the fifth easiest schedule all those things add up that if a quarterback comes in and just plays moderately well, you know, and doesn't turn the ball over and makes plays every now and then that this team could be in contention for a wild card spot. And so it, you know, I think they're and me among them, you worry, you know, if we turn to Justin Fields or Trey Lance, are you giving up on the season? I don't necessarily feel that way. I think there's a way you can learn on the job and still win.
0: Definitely with a guy like Justin Fields, who's, Faced elite competition, has had pressure on him ever since his high school days. Seems like he's more ready to take over the reins as a rookie than Trey Lance's. But yeah, like, like you said, you never know. One of these guys could come in and just light the world on fire, just the way that Justin Herbert did last year. And all of a sudden, the vibe is completely different. Wouldn't that be something, high if George Payton found a franchise guy just in his first pick?
1: That would be pretty good.
0: <laughs> Man, to start building the statue. <laughs> Get it going. All right. So, just to recap here, real quickly Eric's pool includes Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Patrick Sertan, and Jalen Phillips as only a trade back scenario there. For me, I got Micah Parsons, Panay Sewell, JC Horn, and then in a trade back situation, Quiddy Pay out of Michigan. Both pass rushers there, Eric.
1: Yeah, interesting. I think it's certainly an an option because there's no pass rusher that I think is good enough to go in the top 10 or even maybe in the top 15. So That's kind of rare, huh? It is rare when you think about Vaughn going second.
0: Yeah, that's pretty rare. All right, well, I think that that is going to wrap up this edition of The Neutral Zone. We've got a couple of weeks here before the draft. We'll have a lot more. Uh, Hopefully, we can get some national media members to join the show and uh, offer their perspective, and we'll work on getting Steve Atwater, the Hoff. We'll
1: We'll do our best. We'll We'll see what we we can do.
0: On this episode, we also discussed the the off-season program and what impacts it could have on the Broncos for 2021 if there's no in-player workouts during the voluntary portion of it. And then uh, we also talked a little more about Pat Shermer being at Justin Fields pro day, his second pro day, I should say. What, what kind of uh, a should we have from that? A pretty good show there, Erica, any shout outs that you'd like to make here as we wrap things up? I think we have to shout out Liz Manis. I think that's almost federally mandated. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I know that uh, she wasn't too, too much of a fan of uh, the way that you talked about Aaron Rodgers last week.
1: Is that true? I didn't even hear that from her.
0: Oh, yeah, she I was mad so. about,
1: um, I don't even remember how I said it. I think I said Shailene Sh- Woodley and she said it was Sh- Shailene Woodley. Shailene,
0: yeah. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers' fiance. Yeah,
1: surprise fiance. Another, Nobody knew
0: him <laughs> another great comment uh, from Aaron Rodgers uh, the other day when sports pops up, he's, he's really good. He had a funny moment uh, with a fan talking about, they missed the Packers answer and but then they got a Celtics answer. So yeah. He's been good. He's been great. Been he's, good. he's been great. So uh, shout out to Aaron Rodgers. But also shout out to Liz Manis, of course. Uh the Broncos uh doing some uh, um like a diversity and inclusion uh workshop for uh um on Thursday. I believe Steve Atwater is the keynote speaker, Eric. Steve Atwater does
1: almost anything. He's impressive. He's he can do it all.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, the community department heavily involved in that and I know uh Liz doing some other stuff as well. So shout out Liz Manis as always. That is going to wrap up uh, this episode of the neutral zone. We'll be back next week with plenty more draft conversation. Maybe Eric will even reveal his mock draft. We've all been waiting for it, Eric. <laughs> maybe. We'll, we'll, we've all been waiting for it. So maybe next week. Until then, for Eric Dalala, I am Phil Milani. You've been listening to
1: The Neutral, the Neutral Zone. Zone.